0: Welcome to Three Little Things, a natural health podcast. We've created this space to help you positively navigate the world of holistic and natural wellbeing, where each week we will explore something new and dive into a diverse range of holistic health topics from all walks of life. As chiropractors, we're equally passionate about helping educate, share and empower you on your wellbeing journey. Created with you in mind, Three Little Things aims to bring you digestible topics and applicable tools and strategies to help you grow, thrive and live well. So let's dive in. Welcome back to all of our amazing listeners and thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Three Little Things podcast. Just before we get into today's content I wanted to make a really quick apology about some of the sound issues that we had whilst recording today. When Lily and I sat down to chat to Dr Andrea some construction work decided it would start up right outside our window so we apologize for any disruptions that that might bring welcome to today's episode everyone for those of you that are new here my name is sarah and i'm joined with my colleague and co-host lily and we are both chiropractors based here on sydney's northern beaches today we have an extra special guest and episode lined up for you and i'm really excited to get into it dr andrea huddleston who is an integrative chiropractor based over in perth is joining us today to chat all about what a normal cycle is Dr. Andrea is a huge inspiration of mine personally, and someone who, as I navigated through my own chiropractic studies, really helped me create a platform and set the standard for who I wanted to be as a chiropractor, particularly with a special interest in women's health. Dr. Andrea, as I said, is an integrative chiropractor and an expert in women's health, and she is often referred to by her patients as the period whisperer, and you'll learn a little bit about why that is as we dive into today's episode. Dr. Andrea is also the co-founder and the co-host of her own award-winning top-rated podcast called the Wellness Women Radio, which you can find on your podcast platforms, but we've also included in our show notes. So welcome, Andrea, and thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. I'd love for you to kick us off and share a little bit about who you are and what you do and, yeah, what brought you to this point
1: Oh, uh, thanks. And ladies, thanks so much for having me um, on the show as well. Uh, it's great to be here. I didn't realize you guys were in the Northern Beaches. For some reason, I thought you were in Adelaide, um, but it sounds so much nicer. <laughs> now that- that you're over there. Anyway, um, so I, Sarah, as you said, I'm, um, you know, a very passionate chiropractor, but my specialization is in women's health. Um, I think that I was probably always destined to be obsessed with women's health because I've got four sisters. So I'm one of five girls. Um, you know, I grew up mostly with only women. And um, as with most women these days, the women that I grew up with all had some sort of hormonal dysfunction. And um, at the time, you know, we all thought that that was that was normal or that, for example, my older sister, um, when she had a burst ovarian cyst and I watched her, you know, writhing around on the floor, trying to claw out her ovaries through her abdomen because of that pain, you know, we were just told that she was Unlucky, for example. Um, so I think I've always kind of had a bit of an obsession um, with women's health. That's then led to, um, you know, the work I do in practice. And um, I'm also the co-host of Wellness women Radio, which is, um, you know, a, a podcast that we have as well, where we dive into all of these topics. Um, but I think for me, most importantly, I'm an absolutely obsessed, crazy dog lady. Um, apart from those things, so that that is me. Um, and I'm sitting here drinking my cup of tea with my uteruses before deuteruses cup just so you guys can see that (laughs) so it's like it permeates every part of my life.
0: (laughs) Yeah I love that and um, I guess today we're going to talk about you know I guess what a normal cycle is and for me and Lily both you know we both work with a lot of women in practice as well but both obviously being females ourselves um, I think there's this misconception around what a normal cycle is and I guess yeah, our understanding of what a normal cycle is, um, has kind of shifted a little bit. Um, And for me, I see a lot of women in practice who, yeah, think a normal, it's normal for them to be in quite debilitating pain or, um, you know, having to take days off work or having to take medication or all these different little things that we've just come to accept as normal um, that I guess doesn't have to be like that. And um, I'm really excited for this episode and Andrea for you to dive into um, a little bit about, you know, what a a normal cycle does look like so that we can, you know, take that into our work and share that with our people as well to kind of help people understand what a normal cycle is and how then to sort of start on that track of of normalising their cycle and um, feeling good and empowered in their cycle.
1: Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, This is probably one of my favorite things to teach women about is what a normal period is because it's normally um, comes with a bit of a shock factor as well, (laughs) because I just want to premise this by saying normal cycles and normal periods are completely symptom-free. So they have no symptoms whatsoever. And that normally um, really surprises most women. They're like, come on, you can't be serious. So the debilitating pain that they get every month or the horrific mood changes or the sugar cravings that they have where they want to tackle someone for the miles bar that they're eating, for example, none of that is actually normal. And these are all signs and symptoms that something is going on with the body that is not, um, you know, part of what should be of their normal physiology. So these are warning signs um, or as we sort of like to term it, that any of the symptoms that pop-up, these are, this is essentially like your report card for the month or the last few months of how well you've been looking after your health. And women have this monthly regular check-in where your body gives you that feedback as to how well you're looking after yourself, for example, and men don't have that. So I think that that's just such an amazing, um, you know, physiological thing that happens for us where we've got that, that tells us, are we eating enough? Are we exercising enough or too much? What are our stress levels doing? And all of that is fed back to us by our monthly period, which is why um, the menstrual cycle is now considered to be a woman's fifth vital sign. So it's just as an important indicator of health as is, you know, our heart rate or our blood pressure, because it does give us that window into, you know, all of those sorts of things. Um, so a normal period should be a monthly period. Usually, um, in, you know, medical textbooks, they'll say that a normal cycle length is anywhere from 21 to sort of 35 to 38 days. And I think that that is just so broad. Um, And to me, either end of that spectrum actually indicates certain types of hormonal imbalances that we can go into as well. So in my opinion, a normal cycle is from about 27 to 31 to 32 days. So I'm fairly particular when it comes to the actual timing of it, because when we break up the menstrual cycle, there's two distinct phases. So there's the follicular phase that happens from the day one of the period to the point of ovulation which is where the egg gets released from the ovary that is the most important thing that happens throughout the cycle and then we move into the luteal phase which goes from the point of ovulation back to day one of our period again and different hormonal things happen in each phase of those cycle or each of um, each phase of the cycle and the timing of each of those is really important as well so we need a a certain amount of time, a certain amount of days in each of those phases to know that we've produced, for example, enough estrogen to allow for ovulation to happen, that we've got enough of, you know, that uterine um, lining that's been created that would allow for, say, implantation if fertilization was to occur. And then on the other end of that, we want enough time in that luteal phase to make enough progesterone that would be supportive of, again, a, a developing embryo if that was to take place. So um, the actual timing is really important and that's why I'm so specific about that. Anything too short normally means something like a luteal phase deficiency where maybe that woman hasn't ovulated, maybe she hasn't made enough progesterone, for example, in that cycle. Anything too long is sort of moving into that realm of possible like polycystic ovarian syndrome. Maybe there was some difficulty with ovulation, maybe that's happened later in the cycle. So each different thing can indicate or the timing can indicate different hormonal variations And then when the period does come, I like it to be about a four to five day bleed. It should start with fresh red blood. Um, It shouldn't be, you know, like lots of spotting to begin with. It shouldn't start with dark, stagnant, oxidized blood. Um, The blood should be that, you know, bright red, rich color. It shouldn't be quite pale, which can sort of indicate often um, lower levels of estrogen or or the the menstrual blood change as we approach sort of perimenopause or menopause. Um, And it shouldn't be really dark, Kind of burgundy color um, as well. There shouldn't be excessive clotting. It should be heavier for a couple of days and then taper off to nothing. Um, and even the amount of blood loss through the period can indicate different things. So, this is why really analyzing the cycle, really charting it, really paying attention to these finer details can be the window to help you decode, you know, essentially, or the key that helps you decode your hormonal balance in the first place. Um, so, typically, um, an average period will be about six. 60 mils of blood loss. And I know that that's quite hard to sort of quantify for most women, but unless you're sort of using a menstrual cup that has um, like little measurement lines along it, but uh, for example, a regular size tampon has about the absorbency of about five to ten mils, depending on the brand. So that can kind of give you a bit of a an idea of um, you know how to calculate that. But so on average, it's about sixty mils. Anything over eighty mils is too much, um, and we're starting to move into that really heavy period realm. And then anything less then about 25 to sort of 30 mils of blood loss is almost a bit too light as well which sometimes indicates to me has ovulation actually happened in that cycle so we put some question marks around that as well um, so the bleeding should be heavy it should taper off to nothing and that actual period should not be painful And this is normally one of the biggest aha moments that that women have is that normal periods are not painful. They should not require pain relief. And as far as I'm concerned, a normal period can be relieved with, um, if if there is a bit of discomfort present, um, just a heat pack or, you know, some of the the tools that we obviously use in practice, like um, helping women to do uterus lifts and um, which are pain relieving techniques that, you know, they can do themselves. And none of that... um, All the pain or discomfort should be able to be relieved simply and easily by things like that. Um, I think that we've been, again led to believe that those normal physiological functions of our body, like our menstrual cycle, are designed to cause us suffering and harm. And I have lost count of how many times women have come to me and said that they have been told that they're just unlucky, um, often by their male um, medical practitioners, that they're unlucky, that they've drawn the short straw, that they've just got to suck it up or, um, and often surely it can't be that bad. Um, Or instead of all of those sorts of things, they're automatically prescribed a whole host of pharmaceutical medications um, to either, you know, mask that or try and manage it, um, usually unsuccessfully as well. So, normal periods should be pain free. Mm -hmm. Um, The type of pain that a woman might have in their cycle, again, can indicate certain things. So, if they are getting really severe pain before the period's even beginning, um, often that's telling me some information about positional changes of the uterus. Um, So actual biomechanical issues that are involved with the pelvis and the uterus as to why that uterus is in almost in spasm, trying to expel that blood, but there's a bit of a lag time. So that period has already started. But the bleeding hasn't initiated yet because um, that uterus is contracting, trying to expel the blood. So gravity is not in their favor right at that time, which indicates possibly, you know, an antiverted or a retroverted uterus, um, which is a positional change of the uterus that can be um, quite painful as well. And we can see different signs and symptoms that pop up with that. Um, Also other things to look for in terms of of a normal cycle is that you don't turn into a complete crazy person for two weeks of the month, Um, which I know is so true for so many women that they'll go through big mood changes. And um, when I've got a couple sitting in my room and I ask them about things like PMS or premenstrual um, syndrome or mood changes, it's often the partner that will tell me that they become a little bit monstrous and they'll want to be standing in the, the corner of the room when they say that. Um, and, uh, you know, there's all sorts of different things that women can look out for, but Um, the most common thing I see is that women will have a period they'll be feeling maybe maybe tired a little bit moody a bit sensitive they'll be feeling great for a week or two and then ovulation will happen or they'll move into the second phase of the luteal phase of their cycle and it's like the clouds descend and um, life becomes really really hard and they'll um, become really moody in that full roller coaster spectrum of emotions going from you know crying at an Oprah commercial one minute, minute to screaming at their partner, the next, and they feel like they have no control over their own, um, you know, emotions and outbursts. Um, you know, they might have difficulty at work. They'll have trouble concentrating, trouble sleeping with that. Often they'll get, um, Lots of breast tenderness as well, and bloating, and those sorts of things, ferocious sugar cravings normally pop up at around the same time. And again, this is because there are hormonal imbalances in play and possible nutrient deficiencies that are actually creating these signs and symptoms in the first place. Um, and then when we see that PMS on steroids, we call that PMDD or premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is, you know, sometimes where women feel um, and can feel almost suicidal or homicidal just because of those hormonal changes and the impact on the neurotransmitters in those two weeks leading up to the period. Um, And it can be quite a scary thing for women as well, because they feel completely out of control of their body and emotions during that time. Um, Okay. What else do you want to know about, um, about the period? So we've gone through um, blood quality, uh, amount of blood, mood changes, um, pain. Uh, What else?
2: So you were mentioning um the two distinct phases um follicular and then ovulation and luteal yes changes in length do you find most of the changes um different in the luteal phase or the follicular phase
1: i i do find that most symptoms are present in the luteal phase Uh um because normally uh so what happens in the follicular phase Um, We'll have our period. So that's the very start of it. This is when hormones are at their lowest point. And then we'll get this surge or rise first of testosterone for women. And that's what helps to prime that egg that's going to be released. And that testosterone is um, like an obligate precursor to estrogen. Um, And testosterone for women makes us feel quite assertive, energetic. It increases our libido. um, You know, so it has that really lovely effect on us. And then testosterone then aromatizes or converts into estrogen. Oestrogen. And with that peak of oestrogen that happens around that ovulation threshold, this is normally when women are at their best. So, this is normally when we are most sociable. Um, we are most connected. This is when our um, words per minute ratio goes up dramatically. So, we're mo- so much more articulate. We're so much better at getting the things that we want. Our energy levels are usually really good. Our lap- uh, this is obviously one of the peaks of our libido throughout the month. We're so much more empathetic. So, And this is all for obviously like evolutionary purposes, right? Around that ovulation time, this is when um, we are obviously fertile. So this is when our body is telling us to go out and, you know, this is optimal baby making time, obviously. So that's why we do have those changes. And then once we've ovulated, estrogen starts to decline a little bit. We get this surge of progesterone and that is the time when we should be feeling relaxed and calm. This is, um, you know, progesterone, I like to call this nature's valium because it is a, a neuroendocrine hormone. So it works on both our, obviously our hormonal system, but also impacts our brain and our neurotransmitters. And it binds with our GABA receptors. So those are our calming neurotransmitters that have that lovely sedative effect on our system. So progesterone, when it's made in the right amounts, should help us feeling really level headed, really calm and balanced throughout the, that second phase of the cycle but this is normally when women are experiencing things like premenstrual syndrome um, and all of the symptoms that associate with that. This is when they're getting the, um, you know, engorged tender breasts. This is when they're noticing that their fluid levels have increased. They've got fluid retention, they're bloated, um, they're craving sugar and their moods are all over the place, but they also might be getting insomnia, headaches, night sweats, and everything else that goes along with that. So it is Um, currently the most typical hormonal um, I guess picture that I see is that low progesterone relative to elevated estrogen um, and that is most symptomatic in the luteal phase
2: I guess it's a sort of cliche but we already seek out help when things aren't right you know I mean yeah (laughs) yeah so we often get patients coming in with things like symptoms and we've thrown in the word homeostasis right at the beginning of our podcast, make it more of a magazine word so we can use it more um, freely and more correctly. So you're actually describing the, you know, the proper homeostatic mechanisms that we should you know, seek um, to get to, right? Um, yeah. You're describing a whole bunch of symptoms that um, have gone awry right when we are all right. So, do you have suggestions? I mean, not that we, and also we want people to go to their individual practitioners to have it concierge for them, you know, tailor made. So, we don't want you to give us solutions as such, but I'm sure um, there are certain solutions like supplements or diet or. Mm -hmm. meditation you know that we can suggest those
1: things in you i mean not specifically but you know. yeah sure um i mean lily all the things that you just said there um i love like especially things like meditation for example which sometimes is the hardest thing for women to do but um some of the biggest disruptors of our hormones and i'm sure that this is no surprise to to any women is stress so when we're under that constant state of stress, and this doesn't just have to mean, you know, anxiety, it doesn't have to mean that we feel like we are, um, you know, under so much pressure at work or, or something like that. This stress in our system can just be sitting in traffic, rushing around all the time, um, trouble at home. Um, it can certainly be that stressful email. It can be skipping meals too often because we're too busy, um, over-exercising, under-exercising, sitting too long, like all of those stressors on our system. Um, And if we look at the classic picture of, um, you know, say that uh, all of a sudden um, our boss has moved up our deadline and we know it's an absolutely impossible task, but our job's on the line or something like that. Our body is flooded with all of our fight or flight chemicals and um, our system makes a lot of cortisol um, and cortisol is our main stress hormone. And this is the one and only hormone that our body can't live without. So it dictates and controls so many things, but its purpose is for survival. It saves our life. And it did the exact same thing back in, you know, hunter-gatherer days when we saw a saber to tiger and we would run away away from that. Um, And in that process, you know, all that blood would be diverted to our large muscles. So we could run away really quickly. It would increase our blood pressure and our heart rate to get that blood there faster. So we'd be more effective. Um, You know, it shunts that blood from our prefrontal cortex in our brain, which is our, you know, higher executive decision-making, you know, qualities to our amygdala, so our fear center, so that we're on alert, Um, you know, it dilates our pupils so we can see wide and fire. It does all of those sorts of things to get us to safety Or to what we need to do to save our life. Um, But back then, it happened, you know, once in a blue moon, for example. And the trade off of that fight or flight response is that that blood that goes to, say, our big muscles has to come from somewhere. So it gets diverted away from our digestive system, it gets diverted away from our reproductive function or our reproductive system because, you know, those functions are so much lower on the hierarchy of our, you know, when we're talking about times of survival. Um, But nowadays, our body still has that exact same you know, fight or flight or stress mechanism, um, but the triggers are so different. So, you know, the our body doesn't necessarily understand the difference between the pressure at work or running away from a saber-tooth tiger, but now it's happening often multiple times a day and we're sitting down at our desk when it's happening. So we're not moving those stress hormones out of our system as well. Um, and that chronic excessive cortisol um, sort of production and requirement means that the system has to sacrifice other things. And the first thing it normally sacrifices is progesterone. And remember, that's that hormone that we talked about that's responsible for that second phase of our cycle. Um, That is our feel good, um, calming, um, you know, uh, hormone that that does all of those wonderful things. So it sacrifices um, progesterone to make more cortisol. And so as that progesterone goes down, estrogen rises. And that is the very first part and in the most simplistic terms, why stress Um, has that direct impact on our reproductive function and our reproductive hormones. Um, So getting our stress under control in whatever way works for you um, and identifying those stressors and maybe setting boundaries or, um, you know, whatever it is, the things that wake you up at night or keep you awake at night are things that need to be addressed. Um, So that's always the first thing that I recommend. Um, Understanding that our hormones are made from three main things. They're made from fiber, fat, and protein. So I always recommend that women with each and every meal, so three times a day, they make sure that they've got really good quality lean protein, good quality fats and fiber from, you know, um, your veggies, nuts and seeds, fruit, all of those sorts of things. And I normally encourage women to have a minimum of two cups of veggies per meal um, because that is going to give you all of your hormonal building blocks. Um, To help to create balance. And the other wonderful thing that the fiber does is it actually helps to to bind clear and metabolize any of those excess hormones that we want to try and clear from our system, because we definitely want that use it and then lose it principle when it comes to, um, you know, hormones in our system. So, you know, dietary changes that are appropriate for hormonal balance. Um, so managing stress diet and, uh, Lily, I think you, you sort of touched on supplementation and when it comes to hormonal imbalances often, um, this is, this is an easy go-to to help to accelerate change. Um, I don't like keeping people on things forever. I don't like people, you know, taking a laundry list of (laughs) or a shopping list full of things. And it could be as simple for women as just a really good quality magnesium um, that's going to help Um, do things like stabilize ovulation a little bit so they're not getting that breakthrough bleeding or or severe pain at ovulation it can be helping that spasmodic um, release or relief that's happening um, with their period pain in the first place Um, it's going to help to balance those blood sugar levels a little bit so that they're not ferociously craving chocolate right before their period Um, and that magnesium is involved in every aspect of that stress cycle so that could be you know a really good um, starting point too Um, the types of magnesium that are normally recommend would be something like a citrate or a um, glycinate or bisglycinate are my sort of favorite go-tos at the moment um, but every woman's different so they might have different requirements
2: mm. so you know this is the whole thing about concierging um the approach and and one of my pet little gripes is saying um, if it ain't broke don't fix it <laughs> like what is that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would love every young girl before menage you know to have seen someone like you or at least and been taken or the mother has seen someone like you so she knows how to you know gently bring her child into that time of her life mm. into her 20s and 30s and then like me you know into menopause you know so i mean i think some of these ancient wisdoms have been lost i mean i am chinese as you can see um but i wonder whether we've kind of lost the wisdom on the other end of our cycle you know mm-hmm. at the, yeah. uh, yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think also, you know, seeing young women in practice as well, they're fearful and scared of having their period and having and their cycle starting and you know, it's something that they hide and, you know, mm-hmm. being at school and that sort of thing, you know, if they have to get a pad or a tampon or their menstrual cup or whatever it is out of their bag, they hide that and it's a it's a shameful thing and I think yeah, we've lost that mm-hmm. beauty to our cycle and um understanding of yeah, the insight that our cycle gives us to our overall health, like you mentioned before, Andrea. And I'm sure, Ed, in your practice
2: too, you have come across reproductive problems, you know, and, and how mm. the patient doesn't want to get pregnant and the other half does, you know. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, seeing uh, patients for fertility purposes is, is, you know, such a huge part of what I do um, in practice. And it's normally um, and paradoxically the techniques that we use to desperately not get pregnant. Are often some of the reasons why later in life we are desperately trying to get pregnant because of how much, you know, hormonal contraceptives mess with our, um, in mess with our cycles, mess with our reproductive function, because they're supposed to, that's part of their action. But, um, sometimes that can be really difficult to recover from. Um, and Lily, I love what you said about how, um, you know, if it's, don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the number of times patients have come to me and said, oh, my GP said, if I go looking for something, I'm always going to find or if it ain't broke don't fix it and that is one of my biggest frustrations in practice is dealing within a system that has that attitude because it completely disempowers the woman to be proactive with her own health um, which is exactly what we're doing and um you know helping to support a teenage girl to have balanced hormones during her teenage years sets her up for hormonal balance and proper reproductive function for the rest of her life um it pre- is protective for her for things like depression and anxiety, which are caused by hormonal contraceptives. And we know that. And that's, un- that's you know, unequivocal. So, um, you know, if we can get it right then, then we've got so much potential for, for that girl, which, um, you know, is one of my favorite things is actually seeing girls when they actually start menstruating. And then the hints that our cycle gives us through our cycling years is often a really good window into what menopause is going to be like for us on the other end of that. And um, Lily, it's interesting, you were talking about that wisdom that comes with, with that. And I actually have a workshop that I call the wisdom of menopause because that is what happens on the other end of our cycle. And I think certainly in Western culture, we, um, you know, youth is revered and respected rather than age and wisdom that comes with experience, um, which, you know, Eastern cultures do so, so much of a better job of actually, you know, respecting, revering um, wisdom. And I think that's part of why, um, you know, in Australia and the US and everywhere else, women have such a hard time with menopause because it's almost like um, there is a, a rejection of that um, sort of and then letting go of, you know, their cycling years too. Um, but,
2: I'm not going to blame plastic surgery here, you know, but there's probably an element of that as well. Oh, anyway, uh,
1: yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah.
2: And also, without um, sort of blaming the internet, um, I think. <laughs> Um, if you wanted to know something, you went to your village elder, right? You went to all yes. um, the person said. Well, how how do you change a light bulb? You know, but these days you can go to TikTok or whatever and go. <laughs> this is how you do it. So, um, I suppose there's a lot of that going on. I mean, mm. myself personally, I actually really like getting old. And I know it sounds like a little bit of a cop-up, but I really like not having a period.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And lots of women are like that as well, especially, um, you know, if they did have a hard time with their period too. And just like normal periods are symptom-free, normal menopause should also be absolutely symptom-free and can be the best time of a woman's life as well. Um, And that's always what we aim for with my um, perimenopausal and menopausal women that I work with is to have that be the springtime of your life. Um, And Lily, you've also got those beautiful Asian genes. So it means that your aging is going to be completely different (laughs) to uh, to the rest of us. You've got an unfair advantage. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) But also, um, so all being healthcare
2: practice, as I said, the 37th year in practice, we get a lot of patients in the practice, and they say, "Well, you can't suddenly start healthcare, you know." At, well, you can start healthcare any time, but I would encourage these young girls to begin healthcare as as young young children. I mean, that's why we are all pediatric chiro's, you know, because it takes decades, you know, um, to 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 be healthy and to stay healthy. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think sometimes we chase the wrong um, goals in life, you know. Mm-hmm. so... That's why we love what you say. I mean, I've listened to your podcast several times and on different conferences, and that's why we are so thankful to have you give us your, um, your hour.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, oh, it's my pleasure. And- um, Lily, what you just mentioned there about it takes decades to sort of get things right. And that's certainly true for um, women when they start menstruating as well. So it it can take the body up to 10 years to get used to the influx of hormones that happens at puberty. Um, you know, it can take up to 10 years for cellular receptors to become sensitive enough and to be effectively using the estrogen that, that, you know, that that young girl is making. So it's no wonder that during teenage years, you know, that things like um, a bit of cycle irregularity, a little bit of acne and those sorts of things can pop up. But it's literally the easiest thing in the world to get um, to create balance with at that time, if you know what you're doing. And again, it's setting that girl up for hormonal balance for life.
2: So would you see women in my age group, you know, who are going through menopause, you know? Um, you, yeah. But yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. And Lily, I'm seeing a huge number of women coming in, going through what we call perimenopausal hell. <laughs> um, and it's really um, challenging for them because the symptoms that women normally associate with menopause, they actually happen in perimenopause. So before the cycling actually stops, and and just for your listeners' benefit, menopause is simply a retrospective diagnosis. So it just means you know twelve months with no menstrual period. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean um, you know the, all the things that we associate with menopause, like hot flushes, vaginal dryness, cognitive changes, um, mood changes, and um, that middle age spread is what I call that abdominal weight gain, <laughs> um, you know, and everything else that, that comes along with that, um, those things that we normally associate with menopause, those changes and the huge ebb and flow of hormones that happens, happens at perimenopause. So this is before the period stops. And it is the a, a time of the cycle that is just as turbulent as the onset of their period in puberty in the first place. Um, So that's why lots of women, you know, really, really suffer through that time, but it's, it's not inevitable. Um, It's absolutely changeable. And it is about having hopefully a bit of balance for their hormones before they get to that point. And if not, we can certainly start there. So that's okay. Um, But it's, you know, helping to just create balance for their system um, to lead them into an easy transition into menopause as well, because perimenopause for some women can go on for up to 13 years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for more than a decade, having to exist in what they call hell sounds so terrible. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um,
0: mm. um, yeah totally, and I totally agree. And I think, you know, as you've mentioned as well, Andrea, like if we can, you know, help start to correct some of these imbalances and help these women through some of the symptoms that they're experiencing during their cycle in the earlier years or well before they're going to get to that sort of perimenopausal picture, Um, Do you find that that's sort of a nicer transition then for them into, you know, through into perimenopause and menopause
1: for them? Yeah, absolutely. So you can just be cycling and then the period stops and then you're in menopause. That can happen. Um, And there's obviously some things that go along the way to help that to happen properly. (laughs) Um, and, and, and seamlessly and, and with ease. And a lot of it is about, you know, honoring the body and having reverence for the changes that are happening and everything else. But there's some practical things that we sort of, you know, create that help to create that circumstance as well.
2: So can the public do your courses? I mean, um, I said, I've done some with you. So just online, you know, through our profession, Mm -hmm. but, um, How do people find these courses, Andrea, and um, enrol in them?
1: Uh, thanks, Lily. I do have one just for um, that's aimed at the the general population um, and that is called hormonal mastery. Um, I think you can find that on my website. So just drandrea.com.au. Uh, and so that is um, where we go through all sorts of things. Like like it is aimed at the general population, but it's still like fairly high level. So I have had a lot of practitioners do it too as well. And I it's where we go through normal cycles, what all of this sort of stuff is, but in a lot of detail, we go through each of the hormones. We go through endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, PMS and PMDD, how to come off the pill and not get pregnant. Um, and I also teach um, how to do the uterus lift in that as well. So obviously that's, you know, a really amazing tool for period pain. Um, there's recipes and um you know all sorts of things and stories and um, patient accounts and that sort of stuff in there so you can find that on my website and it's just through um the platform that it's on is through teachable so everyone can sort of just do it at their own pace as well
0: mm. we'll pop um your website in our show notes andrea so people can very easily find that because i think that's another amazing tool so. that um, you know, people, you people, you know, listen to things like this episode and your podcast and want to go further down that pathway of their own hormonal imbalances. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's another fantastic tool that um, I know some of our patients and, you know, people that are listening to this can, um, yeah, definitely go and look look into for themselves.
2: And we're so lucky
0: so far to have most of our
2: guests um, within five kilometers of us.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's amazing. It's so
2: hard. Um, would you consider um, people, seeing you by zoom you know i mean do you do that kind of work or do you recommend people in sydney or other states
1: um both so i definitely do like telehealth consults um and i've got you know patients all over um but i do try and find them if they want to see someone in person and i always obviously try and make sure that they're under chiropractic care and they've got you know people who can take care of all of those sorts of things for them so there's um there's always you know a network of practitioners that we refer to um as well so it's entirely up to them really Mm.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Well, Andrea, is there anything else you sort of want to cover under that sort of normal cycle umbrella for our listeners? Or do you think we've sort of hit all the, the high points?
1: I think that just remembering that normal periods and normal menopause as well is no symptoms. Yeah, is mm. it is no symptoms. So, um, mm. and every woman deserves too and is worthy of having you know balanced hormones so it's not a unicorn woman as far as I believe as far as I'm concerned and from my experience in practice as well every woman can have you know normal periods and normal menopause yeah mm-hmm.
0: I love that and so a little thing that we've done throughout um, our podcast is finishing off with three little things from you to our listeners that they can sort of take home from this episode and take mm-hmm. in the day after they've finished listening
1: um, okay so three little things they not, may not be a little bit here's my three sort of um, things to sort of dive into um, first and foremost for women is obviously managing your stress and I know we went into that um, just briefly and ladies I'm sure that you've got all the tools and techniques and all of those sorts of things to help them to manage that but paying attention to that, putting strategies in, in place um, for what works for you. Um, and it can be as simple as just doing some, say, parasympathetic breathing. So that, I, my favorite is the 7-11 breathing. So breathing in for seven and out for 11, whenever you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious or in that kind of stressful um, state, just something to help you just nurture your body a little bit. Um, so that's number one. My second one is actually spend time with your girlfriends. So women have this biological imperative to spend time and have meaningful, close relationships with other other women. Um, It's been shown to help us produce more progesterone, um, which is, you know, obviously so important for our cycle. It obviously helps us to manage our stress levels as well. So um, while we were talking about the fight or flight response before, what we, an upgraded version of that that women do that we're starting to understand is um, women tend to go into something called tend and befriend when they're in a sort of stressful situation. And if you look at a mother, um, maybe at an airport, this is a perfect example, when she's stressed with kids, she will be fussing over them, she'll be bringing them in close to her and that is that perfect example of tend and befriend. may do that by fussing about their house. They might be, you know, like constantly trying to put things in order or whatever it might be. Um, But the other thing that tend and befriend is that we have this imperative to talk as well. That's part of how women actually de-stress. So while we're managing our stress, my second thing is spend time with your girlfriends. Um, And my third thing is get informed about hormonal contraceptives. Um, it's it's so, so important that women have proper informed consent before taking um, any kind of medication, but especially hormonal contraceptives. So anything from the pill to the NuvaRing, to the Implanon, to the shot to the Marina. So anything, just really finding out proper information about what the risks and benefits are and whether or not it's actually appropriate for them, because so many times um, that is lacking and they'll be put on, say, the pill, for example, and told to stay on that until they want to have babies which may be sometimes 15 or 20 years and they're not actually realizing the actions that that is happening and the mechanisms and how it's changing their system sometimes um uh you know forever so um get informed about hormonal contraceptives and that's probably well and truly beyond um what we have time to go into today but um, there's stacks of resources out there too
0: yeah that's a whole other episode in itself isn't it yeah like, whole another topic well Andrea that was amazing um and I just know that this episode is going to help so many women that both we see in practice but also just you know friends of mine girlfriends of mine um and just yeah I guess just the female community because um as we sort of said at the beginning of the episode this idea of what a normal cycle is has definitely been shifted um and it's so mm-hmm empowering, I think, to listen to this information and then go, wow, you know, I, I am empowered and I can do something about my cycle so that um it is easier and, and yeah more normal, I guess. So thank you so much for your time. Um, we appreciate it so much. And yeah, we know our listeners are going to love this episode.
1: Ah uh, thanks so much for having me, ladies. It's my pleasure.
0: absolutely certain that you guys would have loved that episode just as much as lily and i enjoyed sitting down and having a good chat with andrea that episode was full of so much wisdom and information and education and some really amazing tips of what to look for and how to help balance your hormones and your cycle Um, and i just think the biggest takeaway is knowing that your cycle and your period should be pain and symptom free With that being said, Lily, Andrea and myself are just three practitioners who are really passionate about women's health and helping create a tailored individual plan to suit you. So like we spoke about in the episode, it's really important that you have your needs and your specific presentation looked at individually so you can have a tailored program built towards you um, and how you're presenting particularly. So if you would like to be referred to someone in your area, if you would like to book a consult with one of us, please do reach out. We would love to help set you up with someone. Who suits you so you can get the best care possible. A quick disclaimer these episodes are not intended to replace help, treatment, or advice from your healthcare professionals. The information in today's podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not designed to diagnose or treat any conditions. This is just a friendly reminder that we do not know you or your child or those around you and therefore do not know your specific needs. Please seek guidance from your healthcare professionals surrounding your concerns.